I'd like you to join me looking at the book of uh, Revelation for a few minutes this morning. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18 is where we're going to land. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the rack in front of you. We're in the middle of a series called The Seven. And um, this series looks at seven churches that are that Jesus writes letters to in the book of the Revelation. He speaks them to his, his apostle John. And each of them contains encouragement and correction and instruction and righteousness for the church. This morning we're going to be looking at the church of uh, a city, a town called Theatira. Right? Pronounced Thyatira, um, but uh, in Greek Theatira. Um, and this this town, um, the churches in this town, had a real problem. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, there have been these churches. There are some good, there are some bad, and there are some ugly. Um, and this is one of the this is one of the ugly churches, really ugly situation that's going on in this church. We're going to look at it and spend some time with it. But um, before we do, I want to. Um, I want to just pray and, uh, and get our, our hearts and minds focused on the Word of God, Jesus Christ, this morning. Father, we, we ask now that our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds will be turned to Your Word. The living Word revealed in the written Word. Lord, as we look at letters that form words on a page, as we hear sounds that conform to those words, we ask that your Spirit will speak in us, that you will breathe your life into us as you do every day, every moment, and that we might bring glory to your name in our gathering this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Revelation in chapter 2 and verse 18. To the church, to the angel of the church in Theatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished brass. I know your deeds, your love and your faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling, so I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely, unless they repent of her ways." I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. But, and that's not in the English translation, but it's in Greek. Now I say to the rest of you in Theatira, to you who do not hold to her teachings and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. 
To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my Father. I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's very easy um, to dwell on the negativity in this um, in this letter, and I'm not going to spend much time, but I want to explain uh, what he's talking about there. Um, in the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 16 to 2 Kings chapter 9, there is a, a woman who appears in the story. Um, her name is Jezebel. Um, it is a, a, a Semitic name. A, um, it's actually a Canaanite name, um, and it means um, married to the god Baal. Um, and this woman, uh, somewhere around... Uh, 900 BC was married to the son of the king of Israel. Um, at the time, there were two Jewish kingdoms, Israel and Judah. Uh, Judah was the house of David, and Israel was what's called the house of Omri. It was ruled by uh, this this family. And the king's name was Ahab, and he married this woman named Jezebel. And in 1 Kings chapter 16, it says, And as if it had been a light thing for him, he... Ahab took Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, as his wife, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. He took for his wife this woman whose name means married to the god Baal. And for the next, uh, well, two generations of kings, and and there are repercussions all along the way, this woman's influence on this kingdom is nothing but destructive. She is uh, malicious. She is uh, angry. She is amoral. She is a murderer. She is a conspirer. She is a torturer. She is pure, unmitigated evil. And the rabbis... Uh, uh, around the time of Jesus, they they had taken this woman, Jezebel, and they used her as the personification of corruption, as the personification of malice and pain in their assemblies. And it was a, it was a, a it was actually a figure of speech. It was considered an insult to call a woman Jezebel. Now. Um, so that gives you a little bit of the historical context of, of his use of this term. There was not really, this woman who was in this, this church was not named Jezebel. All right? In fact, it probably was not a single woman. It, it probably, it's being used as an idea of an influence or a power or something that's in the church that is corrupting and destroying the church. It is, it is and, and when I say church, I'm talking about regional churches. This is not one single congregation, but rather they, they grouped as cities. The churches would group together. Um, and they would, they would work together and be the church in the city of Thyatira. And so I want to I look at this, and I want to just grab a couple of things. I have more bullet points than I usually do, but I want to I grab a couple of things that, that John identifies with Jezebel, and I, I want to grab them for, so that we can contrast it um, very quickly. So uh, let's take a look at just in verse 20. He says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman who calls herself a prophetess. So the Jezebel influence is something that, that, that claims titles and prestige for itself. 
claims titles. and I am a prophetess. I have an authority. It's not given by the church. It's, it's taken by her name, by her ability. Secondly, um, she teaches, when we read that it, it says that she teaches, by her teaching she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food, sacrifice to idols. And the second thing is that she seduces people. And what is seduction if it is not playing to our own selfish desires? Oh no, it's okay that you do that. It's alright that you do that. Um, you you want to do it, it must be of God. There's, there's actually a, a group in Christianity, um, there are several different groups who have this mentality. They say, because you're a Christian, if you want to do it, it must be right. And nothing could be far, farther from the truth when it comes to me. Maybe I'm not as spiritual as these people, but I'll tell you what, the things sometimes that I want to do have nothing to do with glorifying Christ. She says, oh, you know, go ahead, sexual immorality, you know, and whether she's talk, he's talking about real uh, immorality or whether he's using it symbolically, it doesn't matter. The idea is that he sedu- she seduces them. And look at this, when it says um, in verse 21, I've given her time to repent of her immorality. But she won't repent. I've given her time. And, and why, when, when, when there's time to repent, would somebody not repent? And the reason that somebody will be given time and not repent is because they are able to justify their sins. Confronted with God saying, this is wrong, if somebody says, well, it's not what you think it is, it's not, it's not really sin, you know, if you can justify your sins, you don't have to repent. And so she claims titles and prestige. She seduces people. She justifies sin. She refuses to repent. And she's willing to feed. She's willing to, to sacrifice her children. And this was actually something the rabbis lifted out about Jezebel. It's the reason the word children appears here. That the rabbis believed that, that Jezebel had had 70 children. Kudos to her. Um, but uh, obviously that's a bit of an exaggeration, I think. Um, but uh, that, and these sons, her children, when, when she was overthrown, they were all killed. But not all of them were bad. Not all of them were evil. But because of her, they were killed um, by a guy by the name of Yehu um, who takes over the kingdom. And she's willing to sacrifice those children. It says in verse 23, I will strike her children dead. Somebody who is willing to, to sacrifice those who might follow them. And, and the fifth character, I think, is, is one of the, the, the wild ones. In verse 24, it says, talking to the righteous, it says, you have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets. And her other thing was that she had hidden knowledge. That there was a special knowledge that she could grant, and you had to follow her. And the rest of the church was blind and dumb and stupid, but, but if you followed her, you got the secret knowledge. And the word that appears over and over in discussing her, the word that's translated sexual immorality here, is the word pornea. It's the word we get pornography from. Um, And it is the idea of a sexual sin. And he says this is the the sin, right? This is her sin. This is what characterizes her, the sexual immorality. Well, I want to contrast her with another woman. You turn back a couple of pages, you'll find John's epistle um, to his second epistle. He wrote three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. 2 John is actually the shortest book in the Bible. Um, it's very brief, and I'm going to read the whole thing. 
Um, so it's only 13 verses, so we'll suffer through it. But I want you to see the contrast here. Now remember, let's just check your memory. What does Jezebel mean? Married to the god Baal. Baal right? Now, John calls himself the elder, presbyteros. Um, the, the ruler, the overseer. In 2 John chapter 2 and verse 1, he's, or 2 John, there is no chapter, verse 1, all right? The elder, that's John, to the chosen lady, and he's speaking about the church, and he calls the church, he calls her Kyria. In Greek, that is like calling somebody madam, um, Mrs., a, a title of great respect for a woman. It's, the, it's actually the feminine form of Kyrios, Lord. Okay, he says to her, to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, from Jesus Christ the Father's Son, who will be with us in truth and love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but one we had from the very beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to His commandments. As you have heard from the beginning, His commandment is that you walk in love. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world, and any such person is a deceiver, an antichrist. So watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take him into your house or welcome him. him. Anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked works. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of our chosen sister, of your chosen sister, send their greetings. Now, I want you to see the difference here. Jezebel is called married to um, the god Baal. She has no loyalty except to herself and her god. She is selfish, she is consuming, she is destructive. But John writes to another woman, the church, and he says, in contrast to this, she is identified not because she says, I'm a prophetess, I have authority, I have control, but rather because she is identified with the truth. She finds her identity in the truth. And rather than seducing people and playing to selfishness, John encourages this, this church, this lady, he says, you love one another. Continue to do that. Continue to walk in love. Because it's not about what pleases me. It's it's about what's good for us. And thirdly, where she justifies sin and refuses to repent, John writes to this elder lady, this this woman of honor, this church, and and he says that she abides in Christ and in the Father. And rather than the children being, Jezebel is willing to sacrifice her children, the elect lady, her children walk in the truth. And although she, Jezebel, says, oh, it's all about the deep things and the hidden knowledge, John reminds the elder lady in Second John that you have a commandment to love, and that's the most important thing. To love one another. 
as Jesus loved us. And I believe that John is using this Jezebel character not as an individual woman, but to contrast two churches in the world. Because he says, those of you who don't follow those teachings, you hold to what you've received. I won't, give you any, I won't tell you to do anything else. Well, what have they received? They've received the message that's in 2 John. And in this world, there are two things called church. And we need to make a distinction. There is one thing called church that will consume and destroy. And it leads crusades. And it, it burns heretics. And it does all of those things. And it is the thing that, that when people think of church, they go, oh, church is judgmental. Church is, um, they, they're all, it's all about rules. It's a, just a big religious game. All they want is your money. That is the Jezebel. And John, Jesus says, hey, that, that thing, that's bad. Its children are bad. That, that, that is not what Jesus came to the world to set up. He came to give us the elect lady. I love, by the way, that John and Jesus use women in this context. Because some of the women in the early church were the foundations of that church. In fact, um, probably the, woman, the, the church in Thyatira was started by a woman named Lydia. She appears in Acts 16. And you know what characterizes the elect lady? Jezebel was characterized by pornea, selfish desire, sexual immorality. You know the word that appears most often in Greek in 2 John is the word agape. Love one another. Love one another. And so he says to the true church, not to Jezebel. And this is, this is important. There is a thing called church that is not church. Just like earlier in the book, in this book, the, uh, Jesus says there are those who call themselves Jews who are not Jews. He says there is a thing called church that is not church. And it can be in the midst of the, of the true church. He says there is a thing called church that is not church. Get away from that. Hold fast. Hold fast. To what you have received, what you are, what you have. He says to them, I'm just rereading it, it says, He says, Hold on, verse 25, to what you have until I come. Now, earlier he said, When I come, I will judge on righteousness. He says, But you hold on. You hold fast. You stay true. Well, hold fast to what? Hold fast to morality. Hold fast to a building. Hold fast to a plan, to a program, to a pastor, to a teacher. No. He says, hold fast to what you have. Well, what do you have? You have the commandment of Jesus Christ. To love as He loved. And when we see... um, the church in Thyatira being split and broken and divided. The divide that is taking place is a break between this thing that is called church that is a Jezebel that is, that is corrupt and broken and this smaller group, the word rest or remnant, who are going to stay faithful to Jesus Christ no matter what until I come. Until I come, he says. 
And you know what's interesting is the next he says to the overcomer, I will give him authority. And, and it, people very quickly read this. Oh, we, we the righteous people, we're good. When Jesus comes back, he's going to let us have revenge on the wicked. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you stay true to Jesus. And Jesus will do what is right. Regardless what happens around you. Regardless what goes on. In the days of Jezebel, they set up in the valley um, uh, outside of Israel, um, the, the valley that's called, uh, um, it's called, well, we, we actually get a Greek word from it, from Aramaic, Gehenna, which is translated as hell, um, but, but it's, a, it's a valley outside of Jerusalem, and in that valley, during the time of Jezebel, they set up uh, um, uh, a, um, a statue um, to uh, a, a god named Moloch. And the sacrifices that you gave to the god Moloch, they would take the statue and they would heat it up until it was burning hot and you would throw your firstborn children into his arms. And at one point, the power of that cult was so strong and the power of that belief was so strong that the people who were faithful believed that they were the only ones. In fact, there's this moment in 1 Kings where the prophet um, Elijah runs from Jezebel because Jezebel says that she's going to kill him and he whines to God. He says, I've been the only person, I'm the only one, I'm the only, I never, you know, I'm all by myself. And God says to him, don't you think for a second that you're the only one who honors me. In the darkest days and in the hardest times, there are always those who are faithful to God. There are always those who are going to hold to that true thought. There are always going to be those who are going to be seeking Christ in our perfectly imperfect way to honor Him, to live for Him, to build a church that is focused on Him. This thing that masquerades as church in our world all too often brings more destruction than it brings healing. And Jesus says to us, but don't worry, you're not alone. There are those who will hold on. There are those who can hold strong. And the anchor in the book of Hebrews, the surety payment in the book of 2 Corinthians, the author and the finisher, the priest and the sacrifice, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who was and is and is to come, is Jesus Christ. So hold on to Him. It doesn't matter what happens in this sinful, broken world. We hold on to Him. When we're in the midst of pain, we're in the midst of struggle, we're in the midst of heresy, we're in the midst of brokenness. We're in the midst of, of uh, political pressure and, and struggles. We're in the midst of, of uh, persecution, whatever we're in the midst of. You know, the only thing that, that Jesus says here is just hold on. And when your resources are sapped by all of the other things that you are doing, guess what the best thing you can do is? Let go of the things that aren't Jesus and just hold on.
We hold on to the wrong things sometimes in our lives. We hold on to the things that we think are important. But the command that Jesus says to us is just hold on to me. Hold on to my commandments. Hold on to me. And in the darkest moments, in the hardest days, when we hold on to Him, when we grab on and will not let go, He will bring us through. He will carry us. And we will come out the side, out the backside of that struggle and that difficulty, looking just a little bit more like Him and loving just a little bit more like Him and growing just a little bit more into the person that he, he has called us to be. And I want to encourage you, whether you're going through a hard time, and, and I would love to say that I came up with this passage of Scripture at this during this week. I didn't. I planned this series weeks ago. And I would love to say that I dropped the song that Nicola is about to sing on her this week, but I didn't. I asked her to sing it months ago. But maybe you just need to hear this message to hold on. So I want to invite Nicole to close us with a song about that message. Um, This is not a normal style that you would hear in a little white church. (laughs) (laughs) A little white New England church. Um, So this is a stretch for me, but it's fun to sing. But I need your help because there needs to be like a gospel choir in the background. So when you hear these two notes, hold on. You guys need to echo it, okay? So hold on. Hold on. You gotta get a little attitude, okay? Hold on. Hold on. All right, yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so when I sing another tune with those words, don't copy me. So when you hear the little echo, when you hear the break for you guys, that's when you need to sing. So let's try that one more time. Hold on. Hold on. Thank you. Remember, attitude, okay? If you feel today 